Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about iron deficiency anemia in children. And if you want to follow along with written notes on this topic, you can follow along in the hematology section of the Zero to Finals website or the Zero to Finals pediatrics book. So let's get straight into it. The bone marrow requires iron in order to produce the hemoglobin molecule that is contained within red blood cells. There are a few scenarios where iron stores can be used up and the patient can become deficient in iron, resulting in iron deficiency anemia. This can occur with dietary insufficiency, which is the most common cause in children, loss of iron, for example in heavy menstruation in older girls, and inadequate iron absorption, for example in Crohn's disease. Let's talk a little bit more about the absorption of iron. Iron is mainly absorbed in the duodenum and the jejunum. It requires the acid from the stomach to keep the iron in the soluble ferrous or Fe2 plus form. When there's less acid in the stomach, it changes to the insoluble ferric or Fe3 plus form. Therefore, medications that reduce the stomach acid, such as proton pump inhibitors like lanzoprazole and omeprazole, can interfere with iron absorption. Conditions that result in inflammation of the duodenum or the jejunum, such as celiac disease or Crohn's disease, can also cause inadequate iron absorption. Let's talk more about the tests for iron deficiency. Iron travels around the blood as ferric ions, or Fe3 plus ions, which are bound to a carrier protein called transferrin. Total iron binding capacity, or TIBC, basically means the total space on the transferrin molecule for the iron to bind. Therefore, total iron binding capacity is directly related to the amount of transferrin in the blood. If you measure the amount of iron in the blood, and then you measure the total iron binding capacity of that blood, you can calculate the proportion of the transferrin molecules that are bound to iron. And this is called the transferrin saturation, and it's expressed as a percentage. The formula is transferrin saturation equals serum iron divided by total iron binding capacity. Ferritin is the form that iron takes when it's deposited and stored inside cells. Extra ferritin is released from cells when there's inflammation, such as with infection or cancer. When ferritin in the blood is low, this is highly suggestive of iron deficiency. High ferritin is difficult to interpret and it's likely to be related to inflammation rather than iron overload. A patient with a normal ferritin can still have iron deficiency anemia, particularly if there are other reasons to have a raised ferritin, such as infection. The serum iron level varies significantly throughout the day, with higher levels in the morning and after eating foods that contain iron. On its own, a serum iron level is not very useful. Total iron binding capacity can be used as a marker for how much transferrin is in the blood. It's an easier test to perform than measuring the transferrin directly. Both total iron binding capacity and transferrin levels increase in iron deficiency and decrease in iron overload. Transferrin saturation gives a good indication of the total iron in the body. In normal adults, it's about 30%. 
However, if there's less iron in the body, transferrin will be less saturated. When iron levels go up, transferrin will be more saturated. Transferrin saturations can increase shortly after eating a meal that's rich in iron or taking iron supplements, so a fasting sample is a better sample. The normal range for ferritin is between 12 and 200 nanograms per litre. The normal range for the serum iron is between 14 and 31 micromoles per litre. And the normal range for the total iron binding capacity is 54 to 75 micromoles per litre. Two things can increase the value of all of these results. Increasing the ferritin, iron and the total iron binding capacity giving the impression of iron overload. The first is supplementation with iron and the second is acute liver damage because a lot of iron is stored in the liver. Let's talk about management of iron deficiency anemia. Management involves treating the underlying cause and correcting the anemia. In children, the underlying cause is usually dietary deficiency so input from a dietitian can be helpful. Iron can be supplemented with ferrous sulfate or ferrous fumarate. This slowly corrects the iron deficiency. There are two key complications of oral iron to remember and to warn your patients about, and these are constipation and dark black coloured stools. Oral iron supplementation is unsuitable where malabsorption is the cause of the anemia. Blood transfusions will rarely be necessary. Children are generally able to tolerate a low haemoglobin well and can be given time to correct the anemia rather than rushing into a blood transfusion. So thanks for listening to this episode on iron deficiency anemia in children. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. You can find written notes on all the topics in the podcast in the Zero to Finals books available on Amazon. You can find full audiobook versions of the Zero to Finals books on Audible. And you can find notes, videos, illustrations and questions on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com. And I hope you tune in for the next episode where we'll go through leukemia in children.